the myths that you have to sell $60,000, $100,000 a month to make five grand, 10 grand, like that's not the case. Like if you're doing, if, if you're, if you partner up with a company that it's actually putting in the time to do the right product research, acquiring the right products, having the right process and the right margins on the products, you don't have to sell $60,000 or a hundred thousand to make 10,000 or to make a good amount of money. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of e-commerce to everyone. On today's episode, we're going to be busting some myths of our industry, and we're also going to go through some industry technicalities. To begin with today, I would like to give like a brief explanation about uh, the e-commerce industry and what really is or what really involves the e-commerce industry. Uh, for a lot of people, they think that the e-commerce industry is just putting an item online and waiting for it to sell. But one of the things that I'm very passionate about and I challenge people that think that with a lot of energy is the fact that there's no difference between all the operations that go into a brick and mortar business or a traditional business and all the operations that involve the businesses on the e-commerce space. In fact, that's why most businesses that are brick and mortar face challenges when they want to get into the e-commerce space. You know, a lot of these businesses, they try to, or they think that just by opening up their own website on Shopify or developing their own uh, website with developers, they're going to be getting sales uh, organically or just posting on social media because they have a big following. And e-commerce is not just about the sale, but it's also about all the process that goes behind it, you know. Um, when you want to get into e-commerce, the biggest challenge that you will have is in relation to inventory and customer support. Um, till this day, even though the e-commerce industry is growing tremendously, uh, customer support through online services, it tends to frustrate people a lot. You know, a lot of the time uh, when you don't have uh, an open phone line to call in or uh, you force or not force, I would say like you want to establish this system within your business just to make your operations move uh, smoother. You try to redirect all those communications through emails or through chats. Uh, sometimes there are certain situations that happen during the process of purchasing an item and getting it delivered to, to the end user that the end user gets frustrated because the only way they can communicate is through email. And these are, are things that businesses, when they want to get into e-commerce, they don't have into consideration. You know, they just think that they are treating literally the e-commerce place as a human interaction uh, transaction where the person comes into your store and purchase the item. And it's literally not the case. So those are the things that I want to talk more and more as the episodes go by in terms of what are the things that you need to cover when you want to get into e-commerce and not just think about the sale part. That's actually 
not the easiest part, but that's actually the end result. What you actually need to be focusing on is the process from the moment somebody plays the order to the moment you fulfill the order, how you track your inventory. Uh, do you have that tracking system within your physical inventory and the inventory that you have on your website synchronized in a manner that every time you sell a unit online, that unit is taken out of your physical inventory or are you doing that manually? Of course, the beautiful thing about e-commerce is that you can scale, you know, like you don't have to start with the best systems right out of the gate. You don't have to have everything figured out. But if you don't think about those things and you just want to tackle it as something that is going to be a, only a plus for your business and not as a whole new department for your business, uh, you're going to face a lot of difficulties. And that's actually why Amazon became so popular and why Amazon grew so much. You know, um, Amazon as a platform facilitates sellers or businesses uh, in, in many ways that if they would want to do it on their own, they would encounter a lot of these issues that we just discussed. From the first point that they solve is all the logistics side of things. You know, you have the ability to do Amazon FBA where you literally now you don't have to worry about fulfilling the inventory or keeping track of your inventory because all you have to do is ship whatever quantity you want to ship into Amazon and they will go ahead and process the orders for you. And their platform is so well developed that you can even see the reduction of your inventory live as orders go through. But also that comes with a cost, right? So again, solutions cost money and that's where probably the most expensive side of Amazon as a seller comes through when you want to leverage FBA. Uh, they, they tend to get pretty expensive. So that's something to have into consideration. Another thing that is good to mention about Amazon is that they actually are doing the hardest part for any business or for any, not any business that wants to get into e-commerce, but for any business in general, which if I ask to any business owner that might be listening to us right now, or uh, if you're thinking of starting a business, the biggest challenge that you will have is customer acquisition, right? And that's another beautiful thing about Amazon. That's why I'm so passionate about Amazon. And that's why we, as a company, we focus and specialize primarily on Amazon because customer acquisition on Amazon, it's already there. Amazon is a platform that has, and I'm going to use Vlad here, who he's, behind the scenes, he's very camera shy, so we're not putting him on the camera, but he has a mic. I think that Amazon has 60 million views per hour. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hey everyone, I'm Vlad, I'm a part of ECI, and yes, you are absolutely right. It's about 60 million views per hour. Thank you very much, Vlad. And yeah, like that's, that's the beautiful thing about it. You know, like you don't have, you are literally going into business without having to worry about, okay, who's going to view my product? Who's going to um, find my product on, on online, you know? Where, where if you start your own website, you, you're, you start facing all these challenges, you know? You start like having to worry about social media ads, Google ads, and all these different things that they, they have a very overhead cost and it takes 
a long time for you to start seeing results where on Amazon you can leverage their customer acquisition and start seeing results a lot quicker. After all that said, uh, I'm going to, we, we, the ep today's episode, we have a few segments, but before we go into the segments, I want to uh, define for the audience what is Amazon automation, okay? And this actually will bring me on to the first segment of the episode, which is we're going to be uh, busting myths of our industry out of everybody's radar. And the reason I'm saying that this question is going to bring me to the next one is because Amazon automation as a industry or as a service, it's linked to retail arbitrage. And what retail arbitrage is, is that you are utilizing retailers such as, can I mention them? Yes, right? It's not branded or anything. I mean, it's general knowledge. I can mention, okay. Retailers like Walmart, Target, Home Depot, uh, I don't know, Lowe's and any other retail that you can think about, they leverage those retailers' website and they use their inventory that they have posted on their website and they go ahead and they list the same items that have margin to be made on Amazon at a higher price. And every time you get an order in on Amazon, they will go to the retailer's website, they will use your credit card, they will pay for the item and then they will tell the retailer to ship the item directly to the, the end user, the buyer. Um, that's not actually Amazon automation. And the reason I said that is because, as I told you on the first episode, we are here to sort of change the name, not, not the name, change the perception of the industry or change the industry from within. And what it is Amazon automation, in our words, is literally automating an Amazon business but doing all the process from A to C. And when it comes to product acquisition or product that we're going to sell on the stores, it's actually doing the right due diligence, finding the products on wholesalers, finding the product on brokers, finding the products on mass distributors, or even finding the product directly from the manufacturer or brand, okay? And that's literally, what we see as Amazon Automation, including, of course, the ongoing management of the store where we handle customer questions, we handle store uh, buyer's feedback on, on, on the store, uh, we handle, which it's attached to what I just said, but we handle reviews for the items, we handle literally all the operations, even marketing on the store when it's needed, uh, and we do all those processes in-house here in the U.S., so I guess that that takes me to the first myth, Vlad, which is Amazon automation is not retail arbitrage. I kind of just destroy that myth. But do you have anything to add on that? Uh, yeah, no, definitely ties into the segment things you should know how to earn on Amazon with Amazon automation. You, you definitely dove into the first myth with Amazon automation is not retail arbitrage. If you want to just touch a little bit more. Uh, in detail on that, I know you. I mean, I, I, I think that I pretty much cover it, but I, I guess one of the things that I might have forgotten about is that retail arbitrage, and we touched base on the first episode already, but retail arbitrage is forbidden on Amazon. So that's another thing, you know, like the whole industry 
is having this bad reputation not because Amazon is hard or Amazon doesn't want third-party sellers, but actually because of the simple fact that all these companies in, in our space are not following policies and compliances that are enforced by Amazon, you know? And one of the biggest, biggest things that caused this of Amazon actually enforcing these policies a lot more now was the pandemic, okay? Like before the pandemic, and for the ones that know me, they, you guys know my story uh, on the industry. Um, I was actually part of, of a company that was doing Amazon automation using uh, or doing uh, retail arbitrage. And the problem with that is that when the pandemic hit and all these retailers started getting or copying Amazon blueprint, okay, and, and they started actually caring about the end user knowing where the product was coming from, uh, they started branding the fuck out of everything they do. So if you buy something from Walmart today and you guys can do the test, you go to walmart.com, you buy something from there, you will get it on a blue box, okay? And imagine in the pandemic where people were at home, they had time on, on their schedule, they were not as busy as they are on a day-to-day -day nowadays. Um, they buy something from Amazon, they get it on a Walmart box. The, the first reaction it is, I didn't buy anything from Walmart, you know? So they go ahead, they search the product on Walmart, they see that it's cheaper, and that's where, as humans, we all do the same thing. We get upset, and with time on our hands, we just go into Amazon, we write a complaint, we uh, tell the platform that this seller is selling stuff from, from a retailer, and boom, Amazon at that point, they shut down your account. So. As I said, like, I don't think that it's fair to link Amazon automation to retail arbitrage. I think that there are two different things. If people choose to do Amazon automation utilizing retail as a vendor, retailers as a vendor, then I would say that that's not a good business. But that's all that I have to say about this myth, bro. Yeah, absolutely. And when you do that, as you said, the store gets shut down, which actually ties it into the second myth that there's no perfect Amazon store. Damn, you're a good connector, bro. You should, you. You, next time we, we'll put you on camera, but. Um, so yes, there's no, like the myth is actually, there are, is a perfect Amazon store. That's the myth. Uh, it, there's a spelling mistake, but that's the myth. But that goes in, into what we're going to discuss next is like, actually there is no perfect Amazon store. Let me rephrase this so it makes sense. The myth is there is a perfect Amazon store, and the truth is that there is no perfect Amazon store. And the reason we say guy, these guys, and we want to be very clear on this, is because Amazon metrics, okay, and the way Amazon judges every account uh, is very meticulous, okay? I don't know even if I pronounce that okay, but you guys know that I'm not from the US, so. I learned English in school and I think I did pretty well. So excuse if I don't pronounce a word or two the right way. But going back to what I was saying is it's very hard, pretty much impossible to keep an Amazon store in perfect condition. Even top sellers on the Amazon game that have their stores operating through FBA and they do everything by the book. Uh, they even encounter situations where their store gets temporarily shut down, where Amazon 
is on their asses because they are missing buyer messages and Amazon wants you to respond to these buyer messages in 24 hours and sometimes you get busy and you forget to respond to a buyer and Amazon is not giving you that window of 48 hours. They want you to respond in 24 hours. So those are the things and those are the reasons why there is no actually perfect Amazon store. But that's like any other business. You know, there's no perfect business. Every business has their flaws. And the reason that is, is because we're all humans and we all make mistakes. And that's okay. It's just that these fantasy that some people have when they get into this space of being like, no, I'm going to make sure that my story is perfect and I don't have any issues. Well, let me tell you something. If your story is actually perfect, it's because you are not selling enough. And even if you are not selling enough and your story is still perfect, it's because maybe you are not selling relevant products that are affecting other sellers. And the reason I said that is because even by the fact that there are sellers that will put fake complaints in your store, that will even affect your store. So literally, it's a no landsman. Like um, we have situations within our company that we are selling products that we have full rights to sell, and we get a complaint from another seller, and the listing gets shut down for a couple of days until we can get it back online. You know, like those are the things that we, as a management company, deal with on a day day in and day out. And those are the things that if you are thinking to get into this space and you utilize Amazon as your vehicle, you have to know you kind of are at their mercy. You know, one of the things that I said on the last episode too is like, the rules are clear for everybody, but the referee sometimes tend to look more in your favor on, or on the other side. And that's just part of the game, you know? So you can get upset or you can get mad or you can just, be like, oh, uh, it's Amazon fault. No, like, you know the rules. It's just part of the game. And as I said, there is no perfect Amazon store. So that's myth number two. And then we go into myth number three, which is? Awesome. So myth number three is returning the item costs less than losing it. Perfect. You said it right, bro. That's good. Third time's a charm. <laughs> so yes, like this is another myth. And, and we as a management company deal with it a lot. And we actually were doing some training today with, with our account managers in regards to this uh, topic in particular, without knowing that I would have to talk about this on, on the podcast. But uh, of course, it's a case per case basis. Okay, It's not something that is just across the board, but some items it's better to just lose them and tell the, buy the buyer not to even return it, that you're just going to give their money back and they can keep it, than enforce them to return the item. You know, one of the challenges though that nowadays sellers have is that Amazon authorized return automatically. And sometimes you don't have the time to talk to the buyer and tell him, hey, you know what, don't even return the item, just keep it and I'm going to give you the money. Because if they go to the platform and they select return item, Amazon is automatically going to generate a return label, which you as a seller are paying for it. And that's it. They are going to return the item. So you're going to end up with a, a heavy expense on your on your on your side you know so that's something again that we try to control a lot trying to be proactive with with buyers and keep communication through amazon uh, flowing you know like 
constantly because we want to avoid those situations. So the moment we have a buyer message that says, hey, I'm not happy with the product or something like that, the direction that our account managers are instructed to go is try to let the buyer keep the product and we just refund them the money because that's going to cost us less than if the client goes ahead, submits a return. Now we have the shipping label plus Amazon fees for the return plus getting the product back here plus what we paid for the product, you know? So there's a lot of expenses that add up on on returning an item that people don't talk about because again, going back to how we started the podcast today, people think about e-commerce as something simple, but they don't they don't start thinking about what are the rules of the different platforms, you know? One thing is to sell on your own website that you can handle that, which again, you have the downside that you have to build the traffic. And I'm not saying that that's impossible, guys. Like there's actually brands that achieve that and they make incredible amount of money but it's easier to do it on Amazon. So uh, when you are dealing with Amazon and you just get into Amazon without reading or without doing your research and you start accepting returns and stuff like that, I promise you that at the end of the month when you get your statement and you see the amount of expenses that you had in Amazon fees, you're going to go crazy. You're probably going to hate the, the, the platform for good. You know? Do you have anything to add on to that? No, I think you covered it well, and that kind of leads into the next segment, a little bit more of a fun one here uh, with E to E and ECI. We call it the ELI five, explaining like I'm five. In five words or less, what is drop shipping? Damn, I, I practiced this before, but I'm going to try it again. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Selling bananas without having bananas. I did it. Five words. That's fire. They told me that when I was 15, bro. I never forgot about it. I promise. Like I, I was, I was actually on, on. I was. My dad has a business here, and I was on the warehouse. And a person that he had working for him, he was like, "You know what the best business is?" And I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "Selling bananas without having bananas." And I'm like, "Damn, maybe that's why I got into this business." <laughs> What's well, the next question, bro? The next question is, what does successful Amazon automation look like? I have to explain that in five words? Yes. Damn. A successful Amazon automation look like? I'm just kidding. It's not in five words. Oh, okay, okay, You okay. just have to explain it like you're five. Oh, okay, okay, perfect. Oh, so I have to explain like if I'm talking to a five-year-old. Yeah, I was trying to put okay. pressure on you because I'm like, there's no way he can... No, I, maybe I could, but it would be hard. But what does an, a successful Amazon automation store look like? So a successful Amazon automation store looks like being able to increase sales volume month after month without sacrificing the health of the account, without sacrificing profit margins on the products that you're selling and focusing more on the consistency and the growth, the slow growth 
than just trying to blow it up from one day to the other, doing things that you know that in the short term or medium term are going to affect the store in the future, you know? I'm going to run there a little bit with your permission, but it's like, again, and this is probably goes into the myths, you know, like the myths that you have to sell $60,000, $100,000 a month to make five grand, 10 grand, like that's not the case. Like if you're doing, if, if, you, are, if you partner up with a company that it's actually putting in the time to do the right product research, acquiring the right products, having the right process and the right margins on the products, you don't have to sell $60,000 or 100,000 to make 10,000 or to make a good amount of money. Excellent points, Iggy. So now the next segment gets us into getting to know a little bit more about us here at ECI. So I wanted to ask you, even though you kind of touched on this question, how ECI does Amazon automation correctly and why? Why do we say that we, die, we do Amazon automation correctly is pretty much because we are taking all the necessary steps to uh, build a long-term business and not just focus on the short-term of the short-term side of things. Uh, I guess that the biggest difference is, or the biggest difference is, because actually there are many, it's not just one, but the biggest differences are we have all our team is here in the US, okay? Each account is managed by a US account manager. We have our own product research and analytics team, meaning that we do research every single day in regards to what products to sell, where to buy them. We acquire the products ourselves before the clients even have them on their store. So we're literally backing up every single product that we are pushing through our client stores with our own money. And I guess that all that is tied up to our facility. You know, we have a 12,000 square foot facility here in Doral. Um, we have 6,000 square foot of warehouse, 5,000 and something, almost 6,000 square foot of office space. And we make this business tangible for the client. You know, like the, the problem that the Amazon automation industry has in general is that aside from all the issues that they encounter because of retail arbitrage, the biggest issue is that people can touch it, people can see what's going on. You know, like people have this perception like, okay, imagine you guys paying somebody to manage your business online. These companies, most of them, they don't even have an office. Most of them, they have VAs overseas. And when things get heated, they will stop answering your phone calls, okay? They will tell you, send emails here or uh, submit a support ticket or whatever communication method they use. And I put myself on the investor's shoes or not on the investor because it's not an investment, actually it's a service fee that you're paying, but I put myself on the client's shoes and it's like, dude, I want answers because I can't see what the fuck is going on. So I need to be able to talk to somebody and they are not getting the answers because they don't have the, 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 the response, the right, and they don't have the answers because the company that is providing the service doesn't have the right tools and the right answers to give. So that's what I said. I think that we make the business tangible for, for 
people that are looking to get into this business. You know, they can come in, they can see the facility, they can touch the product that they are selling on the store because we have it. They can meet the team. They can see our fulfillment department. They can take advantage of everything we do day in and day out. And even if they are having some type of doubt or they have questions and they just want to show up into the building, they can, you know, because we don't put any limitations to anybody to come over. Like they can come without prior notice. Of course, if their account manager or myself or you or whoever is handling their account, it's busy at the time that they come in, they might have to wait, but they can come and they can, they will be attended. They can walk around and they can actually use our facility as the structure that it's making their business tangible, you know? So I think that's the biggest difference. No, absolutely. And and kind of tapping into that in regards to the facility, the warehouse, can you talk a little bit more about some of the different Amazon automation methods that we leverage for our business? Yes, of course. And this is something that actually came up to our table uh, when we started giving more shape to our business, you know, and it actually came up through a conversation that I was having with my wife. One day I was at home and I was like, can you send me a list of the products that you sell through your uh, online business? Uh, remind you, my wife, she has, between her business and her personal page, she has over 100,000 followers. And she sent me the list and I'm not going to disclose her numbers out of respect, but she was selling a good amount, you know, decent for, for a business with that amount of following. But again, like not every business has a hundred plus thousand followers to leverage, you know, and she has a community that engages a lot with her. So she has support. And I literally took those products and I give it to my product research team. And I told them to do an analysis of, how, how much those items were selling on Amazon. And I think that the number was double the amount that Alana was selling. And I look up the brand that it's on Amazon, the, the company name and the brand that they were selling under those items. And I couldn't find it anywhere. Like they don't exist in Google. They don't exist on social media. They are purely on Amazon. And that literally opened up my brain and I'm like, damn, this company that has no followers, that people will not know them, who they are, is selling double the amount that my wife business, who has a good amount of followings and a good brand, is selling on a month, but she's doing it on her own. And this company is actually leveraging, going back to what we were talking at the beginning, this company is leveraging the Amazon platform and the flow of customers that that platform brings to the table and I was like, this is something that we can do now. So literally what we can do now for businesses that want to get into e-commerce, okay, and they don't want to deal with the hassle. I, I mean, I, I had multiple businesses in my life, even though I'm young, I manage my family business. I had other businesses with prior partners. And the biggest challenge that you have when you want to get into e-commerce is that you can neglect, you know that the money is actually on e-commerce, that that's the future but you can neglect your actual sources of revenue. You know, if you are, for example, my family business, they are, they are wholesalers. And when I got in, we wanted to get into e-commerce. And 
even though we knew that we can make way too much more money on e-commerce than doing what we were doing, how, how we were bringing the money at that time and until this day was wholesaling. So in order for me to start focusing my attention into e-commerce and actually leverage that e-commerce side of things, I would have to literally build a team because I didn't have the time to do it myself. And I don't even, people that were already on my business didn't have the time either because they were taking care of different things. So that's when, as I said, using Alana, Alana's feedback and product and my previous experience, I came to you and we were talking. I said, dude, we can offer this service to businesses that they want to get into e-commerce, but they don't, they might not know how, they don't want to deal with it because as I said, it's not only posting the products online, there's a logistic side of things that you have to handle. And imagine if you're a wholesaler, you are used to shipping bulk orders. You are not used to shipping single orders and that's a lot of fucking work. So we can do all that in house. We have the warehouse, we have the softwares, we have the team. We also have a marketing team in house that we can, we not we can, we use to do PPC on Amazon, which it's actually, the most amazing thing about the platform is the advertising that they offer, right? Because on Amazon, the only focus that you have when advertising a product on Amazon is making sure that you picked up the right keywords and that you are putting in the right strategy. So when anybody is searching on their platform with the keywords that you are selecting on your listing, your product is going to show up first. And the reason I said that's the only pretty much thing that you have to do is because imagine if you select the right keywords and you have 60 million views per hour, right? Imagine that out of the, those 60 million views per hour, 1% types in your keyword that you are putting money to it so your product can appear first. Your product can get 21 million views with a $3,000 budget on a month. That's crazy, you know? Of course, they might not sell at the beginning because it might be a new product that it doesn't have the reviews. It doesn't have the, um, the, the buyer interaction with it, but that's all part of the process. So at the moment you start building those interactions, at the moment you start getting those reviews, which is all part of what we do for our clients that doesn't have a brand, that they don't have a product that we do on a daily basis for our clients. The moment you start doing that, then it gets to a point as a business owner that has a brand and a specific product that your marketing cost can go down to zero, you know, because now you have the reviews, you have the interaction with the buyers, Amazon is going, Amazon algorithm is going to put your product on the top automatically. So that's why, again, I'm, I'm so in love with Amazon and that's why I, we opened that side of things where now we are allowing business owners that have their own product or uh, yeah, their own product uh, to come in and be like, hey, you know what? I want you guys to manage my Amazon store or I want to get into Amazon. Why don't you guys manage this, the business for me on Amazon? So we have two examples right now. One of them, it's a product that it's about to go live. Uh, it's actually a genius product. Uh, the name of the product is Take Shots and I just, I don't want to describe it. I just want you guys to see it because I'm not a drinker, okay? I'm not a party person. But when I saw this, I was like, wow, people are going to fucking love it. And I think it's going to be a killer on Amazon. 
and it's going to be one of those products that at the beginning we're going to spend money on ads and then all of a sudden it's going to blow up. And then the other product, that, the other company that we're working on with is called Sigma Core. They are um, a ceramic coating a product uh, and they have a good brand. They have, uh, they already sell to other uh, businesses as wholesale, but they, they tried to get into Amazon and they left it because it was too much work behind it. So when we came out and we talked to them, they actually were like, damn, this is what we were, were looking for. You know, we wanted somebody to manage this and for the price that we're doing it, you cannot even afford one employee to do it, you know, because that's the other thing. We are at a price range that it, it's not even a year salary of an employee. And with that fee, you are getting access to a whole team and you know that we are going to bust our asses because the way we do our money is with the residual that we generate from, from those stores, you know? So at the end of the day, it's a win-win for both situations because they know that if we don't perform, we're spending way too much, way more money than what they are spending, you know? So we need to generate those profits so we can get paid. And I think that that's all for today, guys. Thank you for tuning in. If you guys want us to discuss any specific topic, please leave it on the comments. And I'm going to say this, it's kind of funny to say this, but I'm going to say, don't forget to subscribe, like, and what's the other one? And click on turn on notifications. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day.